What's up, Fathom fam? Welcome to the weekly Sunday Sermon Podcast. You can follow us to stay up to date on everything going on at Fathom on the Church Center app, Instagram, or YouTube, our Facebook page, or our Fathom Fam Facebook group. We hope to see you there, but for now, we're going to jump right into the message. We're so thankful uh, you're here. I'm excited to be uh, moving into a brand new series. Uh, We've had an awesome weekend with our marriage conference. Uh, Today, we're we're kind of flipping over to uh, a new chapter um, in the Word, Uh, actually specifically Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. We're going to be spending the next few weeks, the, the, the next four weeks in um, and and I, I love this family. I really, I love this church family, what God has done here. I love just the cross-section and intersection of people who have come from very different places, all of us. We, we've, some of you are brand new to this church thing, and like you're, um, it, this is just all new, like being at a church and like learning about God. It's just, it's so fresh, and, and, uh, and I love that. I, I love how we're just, um, we're, we're made up of so many diverse parts and diverse stories that have come together, diverse backgrounds, and, and then there's others of you that have come from church, or you've been in, in a church background, and we come from all kinds of different church backgrounds, but I love how that we're just this cross-section that I think that hopefully in our, our small way, whatever God allows us to do is a fulfillment of Jesus' prayer, that we would be one as he and the Father are one. And that, that's always been uh, my heart. And uh, I, I grew up in the church, and uh, it was a really great you know, church experience. Um, and and I, re- I remember as I got older and I really began to, to get interested, not just in church, but in God, in God and uh, in, in the Lord and like what he was doing in, in my life and, and surrendered to him, I found myself getting frustrated at the church too. I found myself uh, almost a little bit jaded um, by some things that like I, maybe I, I saw like hypocrisy in certain areas or, or things I just frankly didn't understand. And so it made me upset. I was frustrated because I didn't understand it. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense to me. But all the while I was, I was growing up and I'm seeing uh, my friends who maybe they had a church background as well. And, and then they were just leaving the church and they were just like done with it. And I had gotten to a place where God had given me a really tender heart for the church. Um, beyond like that jadedness, he began to heal that and give me such a love for his church. Um, uh, but I, I think I, I was still wrestling with so many frustrations with kind of the organization and religion, and, and some of that was my own rebellion. You know, I just didn't like the idea of, of, of religion, and I just wanted relationship, but um, I, I struggle with that, and I think so much of the heart of why we came to, to plant Fathom Church and why it was in God's heart and God's mind for us to plant, it, it, so that it could be a place where people could come to understand what it really means to belong to the, to the house of God. To, to be the church. I think when I begin to understand, hey, church is not a place I go, but it's actually who we are. If you are a son and daughter, if you have put your faith in Jesus, you are the church. You are the church. And, and this series that we're going to be moving through over the next four weeks is really exploring that. We're calling it the house of God. And it's really, it's really a, a conversation and a teaching about the church and what it means to belong and to be unified and to grow and and to be filled with God's Spirit as His people as we live out uh, the mission of God. 
because God loves the church. I've done a lot of weddings over the years, and, and um, what I've always get teared up is when I look at the way the groom looks at the bride. And that vivid imagery of, of uh, I could look at the bride, and, and, and you know, I, I think as the church, we can look at the church and kind of see all its problems, but when we look at Jesus and see how he looks at his church, that ought to begin to break some things in our heart. And so I'm prayerful that that'll take place in us as we move through this series. And so I want to dive into the text. And uh, here in Ephesians chapter 2 is where, where we're going to be going. Last week, we ended off in the Beatitudes with the idea of peacemaking. And the idea of peace, it really had three layers of peace that we talked about, right? Our peace with God, our, our peace, uh, the peace of God in our life, but then also peace with others. And really what Paul is talking about to the church at Ephesus here is he's talking about the, the implications of our the peace in Christ. In, in verse 14, he says, Christ is our peace. Because we've been made one with Christ, we have peace. He, he begins the chapter by saying, all of us are dead in our sin. We're dead in our trespasses. But if you've come to faith in Christ, well, you've been made alive in Christ. You were dead and now you're alive. We were just talking about baptism a moment ago and we've got that coming up. And it's a symbolic representation of being dead with Christ and raised to new life. Just as Christ was raised, we too are raised up. So Paul is unpacking this and there's a classic phrase in there is how have we been saved? We've been saved by faith in grace in verses 8 and 9. And then we get to verses 19 through 22, which is what we're going to read now, and this is our text for the series. Consequently, because of all this, because we have peace in Christ, because we used to be dead and now we're not, because we put our faith in Jesus, we are no longer foreigners and strangers. He's speaking specifically, I think, to people that are in a very Gentile and Jewish mindset, but he's speaking, I think, specifically to, to, to Gentiles here, which would apply to the vast majority of us in this room and online. You're no longer foreigners and strangers, but you're fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together. Everybody say together. Together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I want you to meditate on this text over the next four weeks, and, and I would even encourage you to go a little bit further and maybe read the entire book of Ephesians. It's only a handful of chapters, five chapters, I believe, six chapters, I lied. Um, been preaching a lot this weekend, and my number is getting crossed. So yeah, six chapters, six short chapters. You could read it in one sitting if you wanted. Maybe read one, one of those chapters uh, a day, or just take your time and read a couple verses a day throughout this month, and I think it, it'll really help you process deeply what God's speaking in this particular text. Um, a few weeks ago, it's been a couple weeks now, um, our air condition went out, and it's like, um, don't you love it? Like when that happens in Florida, like the air condition goes out. Um, and we, we don't have a, a huge home, but it does have two AC units because um, it's a split level. And so it was, it was our upstairs unit that went out, and that's where all of our bedrooms happened to be. And so we, we camped out downstairs and ended up 
calling somebody out. The technician comes out and he's, he's looking at our situation and, and he's like, look, we have two attic accesses because our accesses, is that right? Accesses? It's just weird when you've got to say a bunch of S's. Um, there's, there's two um, attic access, you know, places. And when they went up into, <laughs> what did I say? Places? Yeah, I know. I'm trying to, yeah. I realize I'm flawed. I can't, I just can't do it. Um, <laughs> there's two different ways to get into the attic. <laughs> Even better there. There's two different ways to get into the attic. And, uh, one of them, it was just a brick wall. It was like a, a, a solid wall. Like, what's the point of this access? It gives you access to nothing. There's nothing there. And then the other one that's in our room, and so there's you know, stuff all over the place because they, they overshot the insulation. So we've got like 20 inches worth of insulation in our attic, which I guess is good until you want to do something in your attic. And then, so the guy's up there, and he's like, I literally cannot get through. There's a hole about this big, and the air handler's on the other side. He's like, I can't do it. He's like, I'm just too big. So he leaves. Another guy comes, and he can't do it. And I'm sitting here having a conversation, thinking we're, we start talking through our options. And he starts, we just line out a few options. And frankly, he, after he says one, I'm like, well, I hate that. Um, like, let's replace it. We can just rip everything out. I talked to the guy uh, back at the office. He's like, that'll be like seven grand. I'm like, I hate that option. What else you got? He's like, well, we could do like the things that go up on your wall. And, and I'm like, okay, well, how much will that cost? It'll be about $6,000. I'm like, I hate that option. What else you got? And uh, he's like, well, if we can find a way to get to this thing, uh, then we can see what's actually going wrong with it. And then uh, we can fix it. And it'd probably end up costing you around $1,000. I'm like, I also hate that option, but I like that option better than the other two options. So I was stuck with these three options that I really, I hate them all. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been like that in, in your life. Uh, when it comes to uh, really our relationship with the church, I believe that God wants to speak something into our life um, through this uh, message that I'm calling stranger danger, um, stranger danger. And, and I think there's three dangers we have and there are three options that we have and uh, some of us, we may look at those options and not like any of them. They're all going to cost us something. They're all going to be a little bit dangerous and, and, and painful, and some of them more dangerous and more painful than others. And really those three dangers that I want you to explore, because I'm guessing that all of us, I think all of us, we're living in one of these three danger zones. I, I think the first danger zone um, that some of us are, are living in is the danger of being a stranger to God. Like God knows you, he knows you fully, but when we choose to not put our faith in Jesus, we can't be in right relationship with him. And, and some of us in this room, like and online, we're not in right relationship with him. We don't have the peace of Christ. And so we are actually, we're still foreigners and strangers. We're still dead in our trespasses. And when we meet God face to face, um, at the end of our, our life or when Christ returns, whatever it shall be, uh, when that happens, like we're in the danger zone. We're living in the danger zone right now and, and we're kind of taking our chance that God is not who he said he was, that, that Jesus rising from the dead is some big hoax that millions and millions of Christians have found hope in and found the truth in and that all the historical documents that verify Jesus' uh, life and, and all that was happening politically around him and time itself, we're just kind of casting our lot that, that it was just a, a big hurrah. And that somebody stole his body when there was people out there and he was not raised from the dead. We're just kind of casting our lots. 
And so if you're going to cast your lots, you're living in a danger zone. You're living in that danger zone. I think the second danger zone that some of us are living in, it's the danger of acting like a stranger. We're not actually strangers to God. We know God, but we're acting like a stranger. We're, we're acting uh, like we're not his children. We're acting like we, uh, we're just off on our own, doing our own thing instead of belonging to the body of Christ. I, I think uh, Gentiles were specifically struggling with this uh, because many of them felt like second-class citizens to, to Jews. Uh, these people who had had a relationship with God through the law. And, and really the reality is that all the ground at the cross is level, right? It, it's all level. It doesn't matter how long you've been walking with Jesus. It doesn't matter how righteous your good deeds are. It doesn't matter. It, everyone who's put their faith in Jesus, it's all level right there. So there's no second-class citizens. But some of us were acting uh, like, just as well like strangers to God and to his people there's this huge problem today in the church of anonymity that we want to be anonymous. We want to slide in. We want to slide out. We don't want anybody to be long and like be in community with people. And I want to help you work your way out of this danger zone because it is a danger zone. It's one you may not even see that it's a danger zone, but you're living in that danger zone. Because in this danger zone of acting like a stranger, you're vulnerable in isolation, in, in the wild, I, I was reflecting back because I'm, I'm getting ready to take a trip to Kenya, um, hopefully in January, and I was reflecting back on when I went on safari, and it was an epic experience, and we had the opportunity to watch a cheetah hunt, and, and, and a cheetah's looking for an opportunity that he's got one-on-one, right? He's looking for an opportunity that he can isolate someone from a pack, and that's exactly what he did with uh, this gazelle. And we watched this cheetah race and, and chase after this gazelle. Um, he didn't end up catching him, um, unfortunately, because that would have been amazing to watch. But um, anyway, <laughs> some of you are like, poor, poor gazelle. But anyway, um, uh, but that's what happens in isolation when we're living in this danger zone. We're vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. Uh, we're, we're much more easily susceptible to fall into temptation uh, there are no lone rangers in the kingdom of God. Uh, there's also the danger in this zone of pride and of arrogance. We don't even realize it, but we're actually living in that zone that says, I actually don't need people. And, and actually, we're, we're saying, God, I actually don't need your plan because God's plan is us within community, within his body. And Paul is telling the church at Ephesus, you're, to the Gentiles in particular, you're not foreigners and strangers anymore, so don't act like it. Come belong in the body of Christ because we are joined, I had to say out loud, together so that we can be vessels of his Holy Spirit, be a dwelling in which God lives. And then I think there's a third uh, consequence of this, and there's more, but it's unfulfilled purpose in God's kingdom. We'll live unfulfilled purposes that God has waiting for us, gifts that God has waiting to unpack and unfold in our life. Uh, we'll miss out on those because God is carrying forward his mission through his church and, and his goodwill. That is his design. And then thirdly, there's a third danger zone, if you will, and that's the danger of no longer being a stranger. Like, that's actually dangerous, too, if you think about it. In fact, some of us have stayed acting like a stranger because we're afraid of this danger zone. And of the three consequences, of the three dangers, this is the one that's least painful. 
This is the one that will cost us less, even though it's emotionally attached and it feels more vulnerable for me to step into this. And this is the one where we're actually called to belong. And, and I'm not going to be afraid any longer to, uh, be a, to no longer be a stranger. I'm actually going to belong to the house of God. I'm going to uh, belong and see myself uh, in the family of God, where I'm no longer afraid to be loved and accepted and to be challenged in my faith. And this is, going belong, this is going beyond just attending a church online or in person. This is going into a life that is connected. A, a life in which I see myself belonging to the family of God. That's huge. And, and I, I begin to see people differently. I see God differently. And I grow in a different way. And so I want to unpack this a little bit by just giving you uh, four keys that I really think are important as you're working your way from your zone. <laughs> like wherever you find yourself at or working your way through that zone, um, you, you may find yourself in danger zone one, if you will. I don't know. I could have come up with better titles, but just danger zone one. You may find yourself there. Um, and, and all it's going to take today is a simple prayer that I think reflects Ephesians 2, 8, 9, uh, verses uh, really 1 through, through 9 that says, God, I, I realize I'm dead in my trespasses. God, I realize I, I, I am a stranger to you. Like, you know me, but I don't know you, and I want to know you in a real relationship in which I'm made alive in Christ. And if you're in that danger zone, we want to pray with you. We want to help you today take your next steps in that. And that may be baptism. That may be confession, uh, whatever that might be. Uh, the, the second place, if you're in that danger zone, we want to help you uh, work through that and get you connected. We have a whole team of people who are here to serve you and, and, and want to help you take your next steps and faith. And if you're in this other place as well, where you're living in the dangers of being known and, and not being a stranger, and that's actually kind of painful too, and a little bit dangerous, we want to help you walk through that. So let me give you four keys that I think kind of everybody needs to hear. Uh, and the first is that we, we need to fear God over man. We must fear God over man. Uh, I would be lying to you to say if I didn't have my moments in which I'm worried about what other people think. I think most of us would. We, we would say, at times I can find myself worried about what they'll say if I do this or, or, or what they think of me because I did do this or I didn't do this. I'm worried. I can find myself living in that, but I'm telling you, it, it's, it's a depressing place to live. And I feel like so much, and not all of our anxieties come from there, but I think a lot of our anxieties in this room come from this truth right here. We don't fear God more than we fear man. Like deep down the roots of some of our anxieties, and I know I find them at times too, I have to cast down and cast my anxieties on God and, and remind myself of this truth God, actually, I'm worried more about what you say about me than what other people say about me. And, and this is, is an important truth that we must operate in from no matter what zone we find ourselves in. It, uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. This is where we can begin to move from. We can move out of zone one knowing that I'm actually I'm, I'm fearful. I know that 
God could strike me dead in a moment if he wanted to. I know that at some point I could stand before God, or I will stand before God. And, and that fear, the reverence of the, the, the power of God, uh, the enormity of God, his very nature as creator puts me in a place of uh, a fear. But as we come to know that really the character of God, uh, we don't operate out of fear in our relationship with God. First uh, John 4 tells us that perfect love casts out fear. God in himself is not just one to be feared, but I believe really the, the pinnacle of our fear of God is just an absolute love of God that's poured out in our life. And so if anybody's like literally living their life like afraid uh, of like, am I gonna die today or something like that? And frankly, I lived like that for a period of time. Um, like, you must fear God over our man. God wants to redeem that and cast out fear that we may operate from his perfect love uh, no matter where we're at. We must fear God over man. I think in the, if you're in the second danger zone, we too uh, must have a fear over God, uh, a fear uh, of God more than a fear of man because then we'll receive and obey his commands. If we, if we truly fear God more than we fear man, then we'll obey his commands no matter how painful it is, no matter what it costs us. And some of us, uh, that's where we're at. We actually don't fear God near as much as we might think we do because we are unwilling to obey him in the truth of his uh, life that he has called us in belonging to the family of God. And some of us, we need to confront that reality that we actually fear man or actually we've made a God unto ourselves that gets to decide what we want to do when we do it and we're not in submission to the almighty God. Some of us need to have that honest prayer and repentance today. Uh, the second thing I think it's important for us to stand, uh, understand is that God teaches us through community. Um, a lot of people in this room, a lot of people online watching on YouTube or listening, um, and, and if you are not in the room, then you simply usually tune in to just the message. Like, you, I just need the message, I just need the, the learning component of this, but what I want you to understand and what I think we all need to understand is that God doesn't just teach through words on paper, which he does, and nothing in our practice or teaching should conflict with that, but he teaches us through his body. The early church fathers expressed this as God is our father and the church is our mother, nurturing us into life and through community. You know, uh, Paul draws on a couple of political terms here, one uh, being the first one, xenos, uh, which is really where we get foreigners or strangers. And these words are similar, so I'm kind of referring to the, the Greek understanding of these. And the first one is one of like an out-of-town person. The, the, the first one that shows up in your text, regardless of what the translation is, it, it shows up as, as an out-of-towner. So, so I just think of like an Airbnb that Taryn and I will, will rent from time to time getting out of town. We've had pretty good experience with that. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm worried, hey, I want to leave things kind of sort of nice and, you know, but I have no stake in that house. It's not my house. I'm just, I'm just an out-of-towner that's going to use it for a night or two. Use it, or think about when you rent a car, right? You, you, you want to, um, you know, fill the gas tank up, but only but only so you don't get charged out the wazoo for it. Uh, you really don't care like if the tires or the brakes get worn down. You're not really thinking about that stuff, only what it'll cost us. And that's kind of the, the heart of this. It's an out-of-town kind of stranger or foreigner who comes in and has no stake in the community. 
And, and what I, I believe Paul is trying to help them understand, you actually have stake in the community. You, you actually care for not just the viability, but the mission of the local community and the global church that God has woven and called you into. And, and so I, I want us to move from this idea that, that we're, we're foreigners or strangers, but we're called into community. Uh, the second one is really the, the, the Greek word there that'll sometimes even get translated as, as aliens. And, you know, you're not an alien anymore. That's not what he's saying. But he's saying it's one who lives uh, in the city but does not have citizenship. So you live here, you're hanging out, but you don't have citizenship. Maybe you're in zone one. <laughs> You're in danger zone one and things are, are not, you're actually not woven into, you're just kind of masquerading and parading like you belong to the body of Christ, but yet you don't. You're, you're an alien, <laughs> you know? I hope that doesn't offend you, but we've all been aliens at one point. Um, like, don't quote that. Do not quote that. Pastor God said, we've all been aliens at some point. Like, dude's teaching some weird cultist stuff, right? No, aliens, as they had no citizenship. No, no, we have citizenship. No, you belong. You are fellow members. And so move from whatever zone you are to become a citizen. So many of us were anti-organization. But Jesus was not anti-organization. Jesus showed up in the synagogue and preached. Jesus sat in the temple and learned and received the teaching of the rabbis before him, before his ministry began. Jesus was not anti-organization, but Jesus came to bring life to religion that at that time was dead and was leading to a dead end road, that all just all the rule keeping that religion calls us into is a dead end if Jesus has not brought it to life in himself and fulfilled the law. And we uh, begin to belong as we put our faith to the body of Christ because he's the head. Our, our bodies are one giant weird organism. They're weird in that they're absolutely incredible the way that God has designed them. It's more than what we can fathom or understand just the beauty of this organism that we get to operate and move our arms um, in. And God, God's called us to be a part of a life-giving organism and a skeleton is necessary right? There is an organizational structure to it that we see Jesus and the early church living out and beginning uh, to, to live out, but it's more than that. It's just a skeleton if it's not covered with skin and flesh and muscle and meat on our bones uh, there that fills it up, and I believe that skin and that muscle is our love for one another, that makes us the lights of the world. Uh, Jesus uh, said it in, in uh, John chapter 17, and by this, the whole world will know that you're my disciples, by your love for one another. I, I, so we, we, we need the organization, but it's an organism. We as the body are an organism. And, and God is teaching us through the community, every single one of us. Some of us, we, we have a, a religion to ourselves or, or a relationship that we're learning with uh, just us and Jesus and our moleskin and our latte in the park. And that's just not God's design the way that we're going to grow in community. That's just not. Uh, I recently heard a story of a pastor who 
Um, uh, one Sunday, a lady came barging while he's preaching, came barging through the back doors and, and stumbling to the second row right about uh, where you're sitting. And, and he could smell the stench of alcohol on her from uh, there from the second row. She had a, a vomit stain on her shirt. It was just still, it was, it was barely dry on, on her chest. Uh, there and it was clear to all what was taking place and and as she sat there and, and was kind of causing a little bit of distraction as she started snoring so audibly that everyone in the room saw what was going on the pastor thought like okay how am I supposed to handle this but he had prepared for many hours. So he's like, I'm just going to power through. We're just going to go for it. As he continues preaching, a a young lady from the back of the room, he said her name was Mercedes, came and and he sat next to the inebriated woman and he put his arm around her shoulder and and, and took her head and and, uh, she took her head and and, and laid it on, on her shoulder and she kissed her on the forehead and just began to rub her back as the pastor continued to preach. And, and in that moment, the pastor realized that whatever he had prepared for the day was not the sermon for the day. It was, it was that moment. She had taught everyone about the love and the grace of God and the kindness of God far more than his words ever could. See, so you can't get that in a podcast and you can't catch that on YouTube. You catch that. We learn through the community. We learn through the touching and the brokenness and, and we, we learn patience, you know, through uh, the community. And, and I think for so many of us uh, that, that are, do not find ourselves, maybe we're in danger zone two and, and we actually have a guise that we're more spiritually mature than what we actually are. Because we have knowledge, but we're not connected in community, therefore we actually don't know how spiritually mature we are. That is to say, we haven't sat in community with someone who will not stop talking about their cats, and it's been 20 minutes, and you're just like, any time now, we can change the subject. We have not been up close enough to like smell someone's awful coffee breath as you're praying with them. <laughs> like it's like so rough. And like there's something in that that God begins to prune us and shape us and teach us about his grace and the living out of his grace. And so it's important that you understand whatever zone you're living in to fear God, but also to know that this is how God teaches us. This is how we are growing. And you may be growing in some ways, but you're not growing in all the ways that will round us out to be a reflection our Father, to be the fullness of God. There's a shared revelation within community. The third thing, and I'll be quicker on these last two and wrap up, we've got to seek to see yourself and uh, see yourself and others um, through, that, through God's eyes. Our fourth core value here, we've said uh, for years, is a divine vision, which is kind of ethereal and... Um, uh, mystical in some ways, divine vision. What does that even mean? Um, for, for us, what it really means is, is this phrase right here. We're, we're seeking to see ourselves. Can we do that perfectly? <laughs> One day we shall know fully, even as we are fully known. So the answer to that is no. That's a, that's a scripture I quoted. One day we'll know fully, even as we're fully known. So, so we can't perfectly see ourselves in God's eyes or perfectly see others. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 says, We no longer, though we once to once used to regard everyone differently, like we used to see them from an earthly point of view, we no longer do that. We even used to view Christ from an earthly point of view. And some of us, we're still viewing Christ at, from an earthly point of view because we're living in danger zone. 
one. But God's calling us into this way in which we do not um, view ourselves nor others as, um, as from an earthly point of view, but, but we seek to see others as God sees them. This is, must be true in our own life, that, that we may find our identity in Christ, not on messages that have been passed down to us of who you are, but we must seek to see ourselves as God sees us, as beloved children, loved by him, and not from the stains of our past and our mistakes and the shame that wants to cling itself, but by, uh, in the grave clothes that we once lived in, but by the newness of Christ, that we've been made alive with Christ. We must seek to see ourselves. Paul is saying this to the Gentiles there, that, that you're no longer strangers. Quit seeing yourself like that. You, you belong to the body of God. Look around. You don't have to be lonely anymore. You have brothers and you have sisters. You don't have to live in shame anymore because you are a beloved child of God. You're not just a random person who comes in and leaves and takes from the church, but you have stake in the community. You belong here and we are learning together about God's love for us and a part of his reconciliation plan. So we begin to see others through the eyes of God too. We begin to see them as brothers and sisters and, <clears throat> and love them all. So many people will say, you know, I wish we could just be like the early church. You ever heard somebody say that? You ever heard yourself say that? Yeah, I wish things were just like they were back then. And, um, and I think that's probably looking at one text and not all of what we have in Scripture. Um, because there are no perfect churches in the New Testament at all. It's a, actually a beautiful cacophony of like beauty and complete mess. Like they are loving and they are sacrificial and they are generous and, and, and they are living out God's plan the best they know how. But we also see like Paul having to write because of their sexual immorality and their, their idolatry and their segregation and, and their colonization, trying to make colonies and like political colonies. And, and he's having to address all these issues and, and he called like read the early chapters of Revelation that calls them out for their lukewarmness and losing their first love. And so we have this idolatry of the early church, but we don't realize it was beauty, but it was also a mess. There was people working through the process of faith and like learning and, and hearing the word of God preached and taught. And so it's this, it's this beauty mess that we are called into and to really faithfully move from danger zone one to danger zone two to live in danger zone three. We've got to see ourselves and others through God's eyes so that we can, can see God, see the love that God has for them. We love because he first loved us. The final thing, and I'm gonna close here, is you must be courageous. You must be courageous. If you're gonna live in, in danger zone three, which is the, the, of the three options that are not that great, this is, this is the one that God's called us to, but you have to know it's, there's a danger there too. And some of us were afraid to enter this zone because we've been burned in the past. We've been hurt in the past. And we haven't received healing yet for what happened then. But God wants to heal us so that we can be connected and belong and grow as a part of his body. 
And it's going to require courage. I'm not saying don't be afraid. I'm saying let your courage, let the spirit of God living inside of you cause you to, to step into areas and call you out of fear because you're living in a danger zone of isolation. You're living in a danger zone of missing out on God's very deep purposes in your life. And I don't, I don't want you to miss out on that. We, we've got to be courageous enough to stick around when it gets hard. We've got to be courageous enough to, to take some shots when someone offends us and not take it personally and just know that they're on their journey and it hurts us and then work towards peacemaking and forgiveness. We've got to be courageous enough to, to call somebody when we're hurting. So the challenge that happens, we can actually be at this place at one point, but then something happens and then all of a sudden our gut reaction is to run from community and not run to it. We run away from, listen to it, we run away from the body, the hands and the feet of Christ when we're hurting. When we're lonely, when we're stressed, when things get busy, what do we do? We run, listen to it, from the body of Christ. Do you hear how stupid it sounds? Because it just, it sounds really dumb to me. But this is what we do in our nature and our flesh because and it's the deception of the enemy that says you're going to be better off if you do that. Just go protect. He's convinced you that that's actually the right place to go and it's, it's actually not. Because as we're going to get to the end of this series that we're vessels of the Holy Spirit and God is using us, connected together, joined together. We are stronger together. Threefold cord is not easily broken. I'm not saying you need to be courageous and let everybody in and know everything that's going on. I'm saying you need to let somebody in. Somebody needs to know 100% of what's going on in your soul. Christian community is not attending a church. It's, it's being the church. It's belonging and, and being woven into the fabric of the very body of Christ. And some of us, were isolated and we're vulnerable. We're fish flopping around over here by ourselves. We're a hand just flopping around here and God's calling us to be courageous enough to belong as dangerous as it is, whatever it might cost us. I didn't finish my story, not that it's super important, but we, uh, we ended up having to have a third guy come over, somebody who had some experience with these old houses, our old 1936 house. And so he came in, he diagnosed it pretty quick. He said, here's what we need to do. I know how the rafters are run here. He said, what we need to do is we need to bust up a new hole right here. We need to break open a new access. And he got up there and he said, it's a mess up here, man. He's like, I literally, he said, I spent 30 minutes just clearing the way so I could get to fix the problem. And, and I, and so we ended up diagnosing, he ended up diagnosing, fixing it, and we had the, the third, like the, the one, get it repaired for a thousand bucks. Yeah, it was painful, and it took some work to get us there, but we got there, praise God, we're living in the air condition. And I think the same is true for some of us today. There's some access that needs to be broken through in our heart. There's a hardness of heart. Ours is old plaster. He literally had to break it apart and spend some time cutting away at some stuff so that he could get access. And then once he got access, he's like, this is crazy. It's going to take more work. We thought it was just getting access. No, no, no. There's actually some things that got to be cleared away. There's some, some wrong processes that need to be cleared away. There's some habits of sin that need to be 
cleared away. Uh, there's some ways I don't view myself as God views me, and it needs to be cleared away so, so the Holy Spirit can come in there and the body of Christ can come in there and bring healing to that which is broken, to bring us to be an image of the Father, to be connected and to live out the mission of God together. This is it's what God's calling us to. So I want to call you to be courageous in this moment with a very small ask. Can everybody stand up real quick? <laughs> that was a very small ask. Um, I don't know where you're at. I, I do know this. We're all in a really a lot of different places. But I'm guessing all of us are in one of these three danger zones. And if you're in danger zone one today, it's a, it's a prayer. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. I'm going to read it for us today. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourself. This is not from your good works. It's not from anything you've done. This is the gift of God. Not by works. So that you can't boast and be like, look what I did. No, you're, you're God's workmanship. We're, we're God's workmanship, verse 10 says. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. If you're in danger zone one today, I want you to just pray. Say, God, I'm dead and my trespasses. Will you just bow your heads with me? And if you're right now in this moment and just say, God, I, I realize that I'm dead in my trespasses. I'm not in right relationship. I don't have uh, your peace, the peace of Christ living in my heart, and I want to know you. Can you just slip up your hand and just say, hey, I want to be in right relationship with God. I'm not in right relationship. I'm in danger zone one. I want to be known by God. as I want to know him like he knows me. Thank you. Right now, if you find yourself in danger zone two and you just say, yeah, I'm, I'm living as a, as a stranger. Not, I, I, me and God, Jesus have our own going thing going on, but man, there's, some, there's a blockage. There's some things in the way and there's some things in my heart that God needs to heal. Will you just raise your hand? Just let me know where you're at today. Come on, just raise your hand up. I'll be fearful of, of, of anybody looking around. Everybody's eyes are closed. Nobody's looking except for me. God, I thank you right now. I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. God, I pray, God, that some of us, we would get courageous today. Some of us, we're not even, we're not even courageous enough in this moment to raise our hands and say, God, there's actually some things going on in my heart. And we're lying to ourselves because we fear man more than we fear God. So I'm gonna ask that question one more time and I'm not trying to manipulate anybody. I'm trying to get you to a place of moving in courage to walk into the plan of God in your life. So I want to ask you, is there anybody in that place too with every eye closed, every head bowed and said, there's some things in my heart that need to be moved. Will you raise your hand? Thank you. I see where you're at. Thank you. You can can put your hands down. Some of us who are moving into danger zone three and we're just, we're feeling the pressure and the, the danger of that and God's calling us to step out. God, I pray right now for every single person in this room. God, that we would find ourselves fully built on the firm foundation that is Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. I pray right now in this moment, God, that you would allow us to be courageous to move past our stuff and your Holy Thanks Spirit for would listening clear in today. things if away. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to celebrate with you. To connect with us about what your next step with Jesus might be, today. or even if you need help figuring that out, around us you can text the keyword FATHOM to 97,000 and There's going to be some folks at the crosses. I'll be up here. I would love to pray with you. If there's anything we can pray with you about, whether it be one of those areas or something completely different in your life, we'd love to 
to and join there with you'll you find our new podcast. Um, let's worship you'll be able together to listen and just respond to what really God's speaking great in our lives. Just taking the truth of God's word from our Sunday sermon a step further, talking about how we can apply these truths to our everyday lives between Monday and Saturday, not just on Sunday. We love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.